This episode features Outdoor Afro founder, Rue Mapp. Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living, an adventure podcast presented by REI Co-op, the brand who helps get you outside through gear, classes, and adventures. We talk to experts who have taken a wild idea and made it a reality so you can too. From people who have climbed the tallest peaks, started thriving businesses, and even broken records, some of the wildest ideas can lead to the most rewarding adventures. I'm your host, Shelby Stanger, and I hope you enjoy the show. Some of you may have heard of Rue Map and Outdoor Afro. If not, you're in for a treat. Rue started Outdoor Afro as a blog in 2009, and she's grown it to become the nation's leading nonprofit network that celebrates and inspires African-American connections and leadership in nature. The nonprofit has nearly 80 leaders in 30 states from around the country, and they've connected thousands of people to the outdoor experiences who are changing the face of conservation and the face of who plays outdoors. Rue herself is a force of nature. The mom of three is also an activist, a nature lover. She's been invited to the White House to participate in huge conferences like America's Great Outdoors Conference. She was part of a think tank for Michelle Obama's Let's Move initiative. She's on the Outdoor Industry Association Board. And in 2014, she was appointed to the California State Parks Commission by California Governor Jerry Brown. Her work and op-eds have been featured everywhere from the Wall Street Journal and NPR to Sunset and Ebony magazines. What I like most about Rue in my quick hour of meeting her, though, is this woman's got woo. She has this ability to connect and empower communities from across cultures and barriers, get them together, and she's just real. And she has this amazing way of speaking, which is probably why she gets asked to speak all over the country. So diversity in the outdoors is a hot topic, and it definitely was at the Outdoor Retailer Show where we did this interview. So in this episode, we talk about diversity in the outdoors and who's doing it well. You might be surprised at her answer. We also talk about how nature doesn't discriminate no matter who you are, how she grew a huge community. So if you're looking to grow a community, this is a great episode. And we talk about the power of relationships and how to make your wild idea a reality. Enjoy. All right. Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. Real excited to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you are just a ball of energy. Rue's got <laughs> these beautiful orange earrings. I mean, she just looks so fabulous. So I just want to start. A lot of people listening don't know what Outdoor Afro is. It's an awesome name. And the logo's really cool. Can you just tell us a little bit about sure. what it is and when it started? Sure. Outdoor Afro started off as a blog, a passion project back in 2009 wow. when I just decided that I wanted to experience more people who look like me in the outdoors and talk about like why I love the outdoors and, and just being sick of being the only one on backpacking trips and camping trips when I joined with various clubs over the years. And I wanted more people to experience the benefits of the outdoors and, and the joy of the outdoors. And we, cause we weren't in the backpacker magazines of the world, right? We just didn't see, I didn't see people who look like me. And I started this blog and something really miraculous happened. People from all over the country, and this is really at the dawn of social media as well. They like raised their digital hands and said, me too, I love nature too. And I realized that we had a visual representation problem. And when you put all the people who thought they were the only ones together, we were actually quite numerous. So it evolved from this blog to a community. And now we are a national not-for-profit network 
that has 80 people who we've trained in 30 states who are leading and curating these fabulous outdoor experiences every single weekend around the country. And the network is now about 35,000 people. And people have, their lives have been transformed in ways I could have never imagined. Like, and, give me some examples. Well, you know, we've got the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker who are outdoor Afro leaders. We've got people who are human rights attorneys, architects, real estate professionals, grandparents, uh, military vets, preschool teachers, all of these people who never really saw themselves as outdoor leaders, right? They didn't, you know, take a, a you know, a month-long experiential course. They, you know, are not like the typical bros you see in the mainstream magazine. These are the folks who, you know, have this fire in their belly to connect people to nature. And we just give them a little push and a little support, some gear, some some risk management practices, and they're off. And they take others hiking. All kinds of activities. So anything from like orchard fruit picking to backcountry backpacking to family picnics to car camping, whitewater rafting, you name it. Can we do surfing? Everything. Awesome. And, and we, I mean, and the thing that's so cool is we weave conservation ethic into everything that we do. And so it's not just, and, and history. So it's not that we're just going out there traipsing. We're looking at the history of people, the history of and of, of wildlife, of, of the geology. And so people are getting this really well-rounded education at the same time they're getting their best life in nature. So we just went from like this wild idea <laughs> and you started a blog and now it's huge. Yeah. You've been to like the White House and there's people that have climbed Kilimanjaro yeah, yeah. on behalf of Outdoor Afro. Like, how did that happen? Well, I mean, I got this uh, random email one day back in 2010 that said the White House form, you know, cordially invites you. And I'm thinking cordially invites you to weigh in on health care or make a donation. This is like, you know, the, the Obama social media, you know, presence. From your blog or your social media. Yeah. So okay. someone in the Department of Interior had found me online and, and said that I had to be at this conference that was all about America's great outdoors and bringing professionals from around the country, leaders of industry from around the country to talk about how the outdoors could be more relevant. So little old me from my kitchen table blogging was suddenly at the White House to witness President Obama signing a historic memorandum. And then, you know, fast forward to today, we have with these capstone trips that the leaders decide they want to do every year. And we've done Mount Whitney, we've done the AT, and this year they just decided to go all in and go to Tanzania and they trained for like a year. For Kil Kilimanjaro. For Kilimanjaro. And, and they just came back and I'm so thrilled here at the Outdoor Retail Show. We've got a few of the the climbers who um, successfully summited um, here to tell their story. And we had so much support from our partners to make that happen. And that story just keeps unfolding. You know, so we had, you know, major mainstream pickup ABC of it. News. Yeah, ABC News picked that up. And, and it's just felt really good to be able to, these are, again, these are people who did not envision themselves as, as mountaineers, right? And climbing, you know, the largest freestanding mountain, you know, is like, what do these people look like? This is a since this is a podcast, people aren't able yeah. to see. Just maybe describe like who, what, wh where are these people? Who yeah, are they? these are people who range in age from twenty five to sixty plus, right? So there's like an AARP story in there. Awesome. <laughs> there's a, a there's a military veteran in that. There's uh, the, you know there's a an advocate for diversity in the outdoors in that. These are people who, um, you know, of course, are in relative 
good shape, you know, but they're not like going to the Olympics anytime soon, right? They had to put in the work to prepare themselves. And it doesn't even matter when you're on, you know, a mountain altitude will strike anyone, no matter what their physical condition is. Or no matter what their color is. And no matter what their color is, right? And these are all African-Americans. And the thing that was so cool about this, this was not like something that you know, a white organization said, hey, we're going to do this like PR stunt and send these black people on this mountain. This is like from the office to the climbers, to the porters, to the instructors, all black. Wow. Yeah. black, 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 black. You guys have to meet Rue. She is a force of nature. I love it. And it was just, I mean, and, and I and I say that. Blackity black, black, black. I just feel like I love that you have a sense of humor and you're so inclusive in how you approach this topic right now. Yeah, well, you know, I just think that sometimes the specific is universal. Mm. So I, I think people get annoyed and offended when we're talking in these really general, like, collegial, feathery touch you know, style of, of, of describing people and, and, and walking on eggshells and, you know, and I just feel like it's okay to call things out and be specific because just because you're focused doesn't mean that you're exclusive, you know? And I feel like, you know, if I call out the patch in the quilt that we are, right, it doesn't make any of the other patches that we're connected to less. It's, they're different. Right. And and we're all we are all connected. We're connected to land. We're connected to our history. We're connected to one another. And and that's been a huge part of why this work has has become so important to me. And, and I feel to the world because we now need connection more than ever. Mm. Um, and when you go to nature, the trees do not know you're black. The birds do not know how much money is in your account. The, the flowers don't know what gender you are. And so it's like getting a break and, 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 a, and a bit of a rest from the isms. And when you're out there with people, it doesn't matter what their hue is. You know, we, we, we are, all, are all human beings, right? So when I'm camping in the Arctic and a bear comes into camp, they don't care. <laughs> the bear doesn't care. And this happened, actually. I was in the Arctic Refuge a couple years back, and we had a uh, grizzly come into camp. And, you know, oh. and, that, and that's that was my hard reset on my humanity. I was like, oh, I am not at the top of the food chain. Um, how I fold my socks at home does not matter in this moment. You know, and so I just feel like we spend so much time these days on differentiating um, ourselves and distancing ourselves. And, you know, nature has a way of, of, of bonding us together in, in the right way. I love that. So when was your first experience in nature like that you remember? Oh, my gosh. My whole life has been, I mean, we, you and I are from the generation of getting outside and playing every single day, right? Riding our bikes, can't wait to get outside, parents locking us out of the house to, to be outside, yeah. right? So getting into nature was not like a programmatic moment, right? Or someone, you know, rescued me from the hood and then took me to the mountains and my life was changed. You know, that that's not my story. But my family <laughs> had a ranch in Lake County and it was a place of of wonder, of of tranquility, of freedom and and celebration. So we had people up all the time and we were always like putting on these fun talent shows and 
going on hikes and riding our bikes and, and, and spending time in the creek, you know, collecting polywogs and, you know, just super, you know, natural part of my childhood. And I did not know how special that was until I got older and realized that not everybody had that kind of a background. And But we had cows and we had pigs. We hunted. We fished. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Oakland, California, but my parents had the second home, which was a ranch about 100 okay. miles away. And so it was pretty much every other weekend and then, you know, longer stretches in the summertime when we would spend time in this place. So that really kind of set the tone for two things, connecting to nature and then hospitality in nature, you know? So like I was able to see how my parents welcomed people mm. into that space and how adults and children that would remark on how quiet it was or the stars they could see or the, how fresh the air was, you know, like people, you know, who lived, you know, in, in very urban areas were able to come there and experience, you know, the kind of relief that 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 brought them joy and, and gave them a recharge. So I I kept that thread going, that that thread of nature and hospitality as a Girl Scout and then then I was an Outward Bound student and just continue to scaffold over time and, and build this, this relationship to nature. And that's how Outdoor Afro, you know, came to be. It came to be out of that, that passion for nature, that passion for community. And, and it's, it's, it's transforming people's lives. So I just want to understand, like, you manage so many people. You're so in demand right now. Like, what are some of the tools and tactics you, you, you use to stay sane? Because I think a lot of people right now, go to you is like, okay, we need diversity in the outdoors. Let's go to Rue. Yeah. It's a pretty interesting time. It's like the buzzword of our moment. Well, you know, it's not my thing, right? Yep. And and it's not, and I had to make that decision pretty early in Outdoor Afro's development as an organization. Are we here to help solve this problem? Or are we here to get black people outside? Mm. And that's that was the a, a really important and defining moment for our work. Because Outdoor Afro's never had a diversity problem, right? Yep. And people see the outcome of Outdoor Afro and naturally want to have similar outcomes. But, you know, for me, it all boils down to be, do, have, right? It, it's not, I can't give you the one, two, three steps to be just like Outdoor Afro or to be just like, you know, any number of organizations. If you, if you be diverse, right? If you be of the community, if you live in that community, and I feel like, Change only happens at the speed of relationships, you know, and I feel like this world has been so oriented around transactional and, and optical relationships that, you know, we now find ourselves looking, you know, you know, not like America, right? Because we have not taken the time to get to know people and to ask people what they want. And the only way that Outdoor Afro has grown is because we have been just super high touch with our community, like listening on the ground, making like when people said to me back in the blog days, hey, you know, it's great that we have this blog. It's wonderful to have all this great visual representation, but I want to find my tribe where I live. And that's when the Outdoor Afro leadership team was built. And that was like, like 11 people who said yes, like from a call on social media, if they if they could be an outdoor Afro leader, and I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I just wanted to download everything that I had learned into this group of people and pull our partners together. We had REI on board from the very beginning. I mean, and I'm just like literally in like the parking lot of the job I had, just, you know, pitching this idea. What were you doing? I was at the time... I was working as a program officer for a foundation that was getting money into the field to help, 
youth get outdoors. So you had a really good background for this. Yeah, well, it was like, it was great to actually have the survey perspective, like to see so many different programs, to read about these programs, to see what their budgets looked like, and and be able to see where the gaps and opportunities were for Outdoor Afro. And, and really from the start, like see how you know, um, how you could be, you know, more authentic in this work. And so that experience did give me more of a razor focus on how to execute in this work. So I was like talking to partners, like literally back of a cocktail napkin, you know, plotting out this idea of outdoor Afro leaders and partners like REI, who is now our official outdoor retailer uh, for outdoor Afro, uh, Keen Shoes, um, who has just slayed it for us around gear and equipment and, you know, and they do some really great work around advocacy and public lands that, you know, for us has become more important too, because we want, we want, we want the places to stay around. Yeah. You want to be able to pass it on to your kids or grandkids. Exactly. So like our our partners have been phenomenal in helping us to like use our voice and Mm. as well as, you know, provide the financial and, uh, and, and mentorship, you know, so those partners came on early and really helped to inform and shape what we now have today as the Outdoor Afro Leadership Team. And as I mentioned, they've grown to 80 people and those 80 people, you know, are in 30 states. And I have a team now. I actually manage a team that oversees the partnerships as well as the program. And now I'm freed up to have conversations like this um, and and as, as well as, you know, think about the strategy and vision of the organization. Do you have any tools and tactics like management style that, that really helped you? I mean, again, it's about having relationships with people and, um, and being able to have fun. You know, like people, you know, I, I hold our work to a very high standard of excellence and professionalism. At, while at the same time holding a lot of humor and a lot of recognition of good of great work. We're not for profit, but you know, I take the time to, you know, honor our outdoor Afro leader of the year, our partner of the year. And I just feel like, you know, people just people just want to be heard and people want to be recognized. And and it's not it's not a manipulative move, but but it comes from a, a very genuine place. And what we get back is so much more than what we invest uh, when when we we get that relationship piece right. So what I heard you say is you give a lot. Yes. And in, in turn, you end up getting a lot. I give back more than I give. Like people are like, oh, my God, Rue, you're just so crazy busy. And I'm like, no, there's nothing crazy here. And I don't use the B word. Everything is in choice. Like I, I choose everything. I choose. I chose to be with you today. I chose it, and 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 so and so in that way, you know, and outdoor Afro gives me back way more than I put out because I'm choosing everything and I'm not being, you know, drug along by my hair across, you know, the stage <laughs> in order to perform. So. I love just two things. One that you don't use the B word in that context. Mm-mm. I think that's beautiful. I try not to say. I'm busy. It's just the worst. But think about when people say, Annoying. oh, my God, I'm so choice. busy. It's and I, it's like it's like it's like a wall. Yep. It's a wall. It's like, OK, I'm so busy. And like everybody's busy. Everybody's got stuff to do. But and it's all relative. Right. But the other thing you do is you use humor to break down walls, which I feel like we're in this time. I was just talking to two guys downstairs and they're 
afraid to say the word find your tribe or mm-hmm. they said accidentally that's so ghetto and they didn't say it in a mean context but they're terrified to even talk to a girl or they were terrified to give me a hug they like went and tried to shake my hand I'm like dude I don't do that like, yeah I, I give hugs you know how can we use humor as well to just become closer together Well, I think we've had so much divisiveness and social media, unfortunately, has been a big part of this. And, and, you know, we we're like, you know, we're, you're, you're so right in that, you know, we have lost our humor. We have lost our ability to um, enjoy each other. Right. And learn from each other. And, um, and it's, it's, you know, this is the me too time, you know, this is the, you know, people are, people are losing their careers behind, you know, saying things, doing things and, you know, and, and sometimes completely justified, you know, and I just, I feel like we do have to not give up everything behind, behind these very public cases uh, where people have definitely acted badly. And, that's why nature for me is so important because it really gives us this break to be human and not worry so much about all of the isms and all of the stigmas. I mean, you know, it's just this great equalizing platform. And, and we now, in addition to the relationships, we need joy. We need to, we need, and I, and that's why, I mean, Outdoor Afro, we've said that we're doubling down on black joy. I mean, we, we, we have seen so many police involved shootings over these last few years on social media and it is just, it just can crush your spirit and, and make us suspicious of, of, you know, our neighbor, you know, of law enforcement as a whole even. And so one of the things that Outdoor Afro did in response to that was healing hikes. You know, I was like, you know what, I, I'm not going to take to the streets on this one. I'm going to take to nature. And I called our network of people who were local to me in Oakland. And we went into the Oakland Hills and and we, you know, did some yoga and intention setting exercises. And, and as we were going down to that Redwood Bowl, there's this stream trail that we were going uh, along together. And as we were going on this trail, I could just feel like all the stress just like melting off of people. And we were listening to each other and we were expressing our diverse opinions about what was happening in the world. And I knew that that was, was not ever going to be possible in the hard landscapes, you know, of a downtown Oakland at that time with helicopters overhead and police in riot gear. And, 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 and then the epiphany I had out of that experience was really powerful in that, you know, we were doing what African-Americans have always known we could do, and that was to lay down our burdens down by the riverside. And that, to me, was the moment that I realized the healing potential of the work of Outdoor Afro. And that's what, that's what my drumbeat has been. And it has, it has been a tool to help me find connection with people, to help them feel safe to be themselves. Because it's not just a group of black people. It's like a lot of diversity within the diversity. It's so like, it's nuanced, right? And I feel like we've lost not only that connect, way to connect with people in an easy way, but there's so much more, I feel, uh, nuance that we need to place our attention on these days more than ever before. What do you mean by that? Well, things are just not black and white all the time. Yes. Okay. I understand. You know, just because you say, I'm going to go find my tribes, that mean you are a, a what, you know, it just means you said that, you know, we, we, we are, we are quick to put meaning and definition, hard angles on things 
all the time. And so I, I'm trying to free, free myself and, and free our organization up to be gentle in this world with ourselves and with one another. Oh, I love that. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. When we come back, we talk about this amazing tattoo Rue has, what it means for life, how to get over self-doubt of your wild idea and make it happen. So stay tuned. Remember zines like the old school punk rock zines? Well, REI recently made a beautiful zine called Force of Nature. It's a collection of art and stories celebrating fearless women. There's 44 different artists and writers who talk about how they define the outside and what it means to them. Inside, there's incredible art, graffiti, photography, and illustrations, including some by one of my new favorite artists, Lovis Wise. She's the 23-year-old artist whose work you might have recently seen on the cover of The New Yorker. The whole zine is awesome. You can check it out at rei.com forward slash force of nature. That's rei.com forward slash force of nature. So we talked a little bit earlier about who's doing it well. Who's doing, you know, there's this diversity tagline Mm -hmm. buzzword that's going around. And I think the outdoor industry is really trying hard to do it. And, and some people are really confused. Some are doing it okay. Some are not doing it well. But I think at least they're talking about it. In the mainstream, though, what brands are like, what brands are doing this well? Yeah. You, you really want to know? Yeah. Okay. I really want to know, <laughs> even though it's probably going to be brands. I, I yeah, Right. Okay. Go. All right. No endorsement in, you know, meant here, but Coca-Cola is doing it well. Yeah. They sponsored my college. McDonald's <laughs> is doing it well. Yeah. You know, like they have since I was a child, they have, and if you and if you want to see examples of Coca-Cola this, Coca-Cola is in Atlanta. Like that's a pretty progressive town, right? And they've always been pretty sensitive to that. Yeah, I mean, if you if you watch any, all you have to do, and I would love people in the industry, outdoor industry, to do this: watch some black programming sometimes and see who places commercials in those shows, and see how the tone, the tenor, the actors, like. You know, see, see like how that's put together, you know, for a very specific demographic and, a, and, and to appeal to a very specific demographic within, you know, the viewership of these shows. Right. But you're going to consistently and I have throughout my whole life. I've consistently seen McDonald's commercials, Coca-Cola commercials with black people in them, you know, doing blackity black, black, black things. OK. <laughs> and, and it's like and it's not appropriation. It's like, oh. I see myself using that brand. That brand understands my culture. My, that brand understands, you know, the things that I value. And, you know, boy, does that, you know, burger look tasty, you know, and I'm going to get one next time I drive past, you know, McDonald's, whatever. I mean, it's like, you know, they have found a very seamless way that they're not like I know they're they're not having diversity and inclusion, you know, questions. They're not you know, I don't think it's a matter of if, it's how. And I think that that's where the industry needs to wind up. It needs to be at the how and not like, oh, should we, should we not? And again, it really comes down to building those relationships with people who don't look like you. Because I find that in the industry, there's a couple things in play. There are people who work with the people that they play with, the people that they expedition with, 
the people who, you know, they, and, the, and people move from company to company to company, right? And so there's this insularity where it's like you see the same people. People have been coming to the show. They see the same people oh, for yeah. years and years. And they don't have, there's no new friends here. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad to see that there are more folks who are learning about this industry who did not know. Like, I didn't know this industry even existed. You know, so it's not done as good of a job getting in front of people in a everyday and mainstream way, even though people are rocking the gear for like style purposes. Right. Like wearing a North Face jacket or a Patagonia jacket when you're in high school. That's like, you know, that's a status symbol. It doesn't mean that you're going to get on a mountain ever. And so I feel like there's been some missed opportunities for some of the brands to cash in on their popularity on the ground and on the street that now is, you know, now is becoming more, you know, more important uh, for, you know, for the sustainability of the business. I'm looking at your tattoo right now. Yeah. Maybe just t- walk us through it. It's beautiful. Well, it's my midlife tattoo, uh, midlife crisis tattoo. <laughs> You're not midlife. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely in the third quarter. What? Yeah. You I'm, look really good. Well, thank you. Thank you. It feels like it, it's just getting better. It's Good. getting better. Like I have three kids. I have a 21-year-old, a 16-year-old, and a 15-year-old. And they're like, you know, getting up and out. And I have a dog, a pit bull named Lulu. Um, <laughs> I've got a great man in my life. Um, it's just, it's a good time, you know. So this tattoo. Oh is, yeah, back is, to the tattoo. Is, this, is the is the outdoor Afro logo? Well, yeah, it's the outdoor Afro logo, and it was, and it's, you know, kind of my coming of age, and and really, because I never got a tattoo before, because I never quite knew like why I was on the planet, and I didn't want to, I didn't want any symbols that that would not be relevant. You know, 10 years later. So I never got any tattoos. And this is this symbolizes, you know, like all the parts of who I am. And outdoor Afro for me allows me to be all the parts of who I am. It allows me to be a mother. It allows me to be, you know, um, you know, a smarty pants, a public speaker, a a writer, um, someone who loves nature, technology, building community. And so this this is a the tattoo, yes, is the logo, and I can describe that the logo is uh, a silhouette of a gender-neutral person with an afro, and inside of it is the outline of a tree, and the tree resembles the resembles brain matter with the with the with the actual trunk um, representing could be representing like the cerebral cortex, you know, this kind of endless connection. And um, awesome. And it was designed for me by Jeremy Collins, uh, who is a friend of everyone. And he, we had a logo that was super cute. It was like kind of a caricature of me, and and it was the it was for the blog. And we are Keen ambassadors together. And Keen does a great job of putting together the ambassadors for retreats and just giving us a chance to get to know each other and support each other's work. And so after learning about Outdoor Afro, he was like, dude, your logo is, it's fine, but it doesn't really represent like who you really are. And I was like, womp, womp, you know, like, okay, like this is personal. Like, (laughs) and then like almost a year later, he just came back with like something super close to what we see right now. And my jaw dropped. I was like, oh, hello, lover. Like, this is like, this is the shiznit. This is like, this is, this is like, it's like everything, you know? And so 
I, you know, we just did a slight revision, slight revision, and we've been going with that. And everybody really likes it. And I like it. And it's, you know, it's suitable to be a tattoo because of, of, of all the reasons I described. I like it. I'm Jeremy. I'm going to hit you up to redesign all ideas worth living next yeah. year. You know, if you could throw any party, Rue, we ask all our guests this, but I just want to know the party you'd throw, what we're eating, who's playing. Oh, wow. Gosh. Well, I would bring my my parents back. You know, my parents are are no longer living, and um, you know, a huge part of this work for me is 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 them continuing to live. You know, in my life through the, their values. Um, so I would I would definitely bring them back. Um, I would probably have um, you know a salon style. You know, we have like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and uh, Langston Hughes, you know, like in a corner having a debate. Um, I'd probably be sitting on the porch with Sojourner Truth, picking her brain on like marketing because she was such an amazing marketer she for was. her time. I mean, using photography um, to to tell her story and raise money, you know, at the time when, you know, that technology was new as social media was new to me. Um, uh, I would... Um, I'd have like Prince playing though. Uh, <laughs> oh, this sounds like an epic party. Yeah, and we would have like you know anything um, on the table from sushi to soul food, because that to me is you know that's my that's my California. You know that's that's you know the diversity of taste that that I have uh, for food, and then I probably would like you know have Michelle Obama over you know just for like you know, cocktails, you know, she just seems like she wouldn't sit still for a long time. She'd be on her way to something else. But I really feel like I I could bring together like this whole legacy of African-American characters along with my closest friends and family. And, uh, and, and, and maybe through conversation and music and food, you know, plot a better future. I love it. Any, any books or gear that you recommend, like must-haves, combine of both? Wow. Um, I think any reusable um, container for liquids is, uh, you know, I, I like Clean Canteen, and that's my, you know, my jam. They're one of our partners, and they, they're the ones who educated me a lot on, you know, where plastic actually ends up. And it does not end up, you know, in, as a reusable something downstream. It actually ends up in the ocean um, in, in many cases, and shockingly um, so. So I am a big fan of reusable anything for liquids. For books, there's like a couple of books that I've enjoyed that really speak to kind of a way of living. So The Four Agreements is one that I love to share with people because it just gives you very simple, elegant principles to live your life in a way that's with the least amount of drama and, and, and with the most amount of joy. And uh, there's another book that inspired me called By the River Piedra, I Sat Down and Wept um, by, um, oh gosh, um, oh gosh, um, Paulo Coelho. Okay, pa- Paulo Coelho. Who also wrote The Alchemist, Alchemist. yeah. yeah. And there is, it's not like the whole book that I loved. It was this one passage on wasted life. And it was, it, it really called me forth to make sure that I didn't give up on this dream of outdoor Afro because it felt unsafe, because the money wasn't there. That 
there would be one day if I was so lucky that I would look back because everybody looks back. And at the moment when you realize that miracles are possible, your magic moments will have passed you by. Let's talk about this really quickly because I think everybody here has a wild idea and they're listening and they want to do it, but there's, there's some self-doubt and fear that hits everyone at some point. How do you deal with it and what advice can you give others? That time is going to pass anyway. Mm. A year is going to pass. Two years is going to pass. Ten years, 20 years is going to pass anyway. But what you do in those increments of time is a choice. And we all have choice. And there are no guarantees, but we still have choices. You can have a job that feels really safe and secure. And I'm not saying that everybody, you know, that has a wild hair idea needs to jump on it or or doesn't need to do, you know, their research, right? But I do know that at some point you do have to give yourself over to your dreams and give yourself completely over to them. And it is an act of faith. And I know that in my case, it was stepping out. And every time I stepped, the net did appear. And I didn't know that it would happen, but it did. And faith is like a muscle. The more you exercise that muscle of faith, the more, the more tolerant you are of taking risks, taking chances. And so build your faith muscle. Don't be afraid of, of, of being your whole self. And, and realize that there are no guarantees, but you absolutely still have choices within every opportunity before you. Yeah, I guess that's, that's, that's pretty much all I can offer that, you know, that's informed by what my experience has been. This has been such a pleasure, Rue. Where can we find out more? Outdoorafro.com. Outdoorafro across all social. You know, I'd love to hear from everyone. I, I always say that you don't have to have an Afro to be a part of Outdoor Afro. That, you know, we are, you know, we're, we're, we're I got focused. I a bit of, bit of a Jew you Afro, do, yeah, but it's all a good. Bit, yeah, a little bit. But, you know, it's like, you know, we, because we have so much diversity of our, you know, like I said, we practice diversity in many ways too, of our partners, our friends, our allies, you know. And so I, when you look at my board and all the people who are part of Outdoor Afro, we absolutely look like America. And I think, you know, hopefully that's what we can work together to help the industry become as well. Thank you, Rue. This is awesome. Thank you. Rue Map, thank you so much. I'm so glad we got that in in less than 40 minutes. We literally met and then we almost got stuck in an elevator and recorded this right away. So that was pretty awesome. Thank you to the crew at Outdoor Retailer for the lovely podcast room to record this conversation and for making diversity in the outdoors something that was at the forefront of people's minds at the show. Thank you to REI for not only supporting this show, but for supporting groups like Outdoor Afro. Thank you to Jess Weinstein at Keen for the official introduction to Rue. Jess, you're the man. And to you for listening, thank you so much. I'm really wowed by your comments, your feedback, your direct messages, and your emails about how the show is affecting you. I've gotten a few just this week that said you quit your job after listening to the show and you're doing something awesome. So I really appreciate it. Please tell your friends, tell 10 if you like the show. And I really hope you don't feel stuck or scared and that you decide to pursue whatever wild idea will positively affect your life. One thing that Rue said that really struck me, besides that nature or bears for that matter, really don't give a hoot what color, race, gender you are, 
is that she's doubling down on joy. And I think you should too. So with that being said, wherever you are in the world, don't forget, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. I have to read you one more Apple podcast review. This is from Jackie Flyers. Jackie, whoever you are, thank you so much. She said, the common thread among most guests is they took a chance, took a leap, and trusted it would work out. I have to say, hearing this from Amazing Adventures has helped encourage me to take my own leap. I moved from the East Coast to Hawaii about a month ago, away from family and friends and everything that's been so familiar to me. I've been experiencing all kinds of ups and downs, new experiences, new adventures, and living outside my comfort zone. I'm excited to see where my new adventure takes me, and I'm glad I have Shelby and her guest to keep me company along the way. So Jackie, we're here for you wherever you are. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Next week, we have a guy who I think is going to get nominated to win Adventure of the Year, Tate McDowell. Stay tuned. We'll see you next week. 